Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gay Men Going Deeper. This is a podcast series by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. Today, I am your host. I'm Michael Diorio, and I am really excited today to be sharing the screen and sharing the, the platform today with some amazing guys who are going to share their experiences with being gay or queer, rather, and Christian. So I'll tell you a little bit about why I wanted to do this podcast. What I've noticed in the Gay Men's Brotherhood Facebook group is that there are a lot of people showing up there telling us their stories, and a lot of people have a lot of uh, religious background. So they've had to navigate their journey as a queer person with this uh, religious backdrop. And I think it's very interesting. Um, another thing is that I've had clients in my own practice that have come from a variety of different religious backgrounds, and yet, despite the differences in those religions, they all share a very similar kind of story. And so I thought today would be a very nice opportunity to give three people uh, an opportunity to share what their personal journeys have been. So if you're not Christian, if you're not religious, this will still be very, very valuable for you today, because I do genuinely believe that every perspective that we get to hear in somebody else's journey gives us an opportunity uh, to find that inspiration, find the wisdom that we can apply in our own journey. Okay, so uh, something for the record before I jump in, I do not identify personally with any kind of specific religion. I did grow up Catholic. I went to Catholic school until I was 18. So I have had uh, to deal with my baggage in that regard. Um, but today, you know, I might, chime in, I might chime in a little bit about that here and there. Um, but today I consider myself to be a spiritual seeker and I continue to evolve every day in my understanding of what spirituality means to me. So I by no means have anything figured out, nor, nor do I want to actually. I kind of like being open to the journey and the process. Uh, and my personal belief on religion, on, on structured or organized religion is that sure, it, it can be a really great thing when it's used to to align with your true self without shame or judgment. Um, so I'm, I'm not for or against religion in any way. Um, before we jump in, I have a few caveats. This podcast episode is not a debate about being for or against religion of any kind. Um, another thing I want to mention is that we have got three guys who graciously agreed to give us their time today um, and reminding us all that this is simply just a sharing circle style uh, podcast episode. Uh, they're not here to represent an entire religion, and nor nor should they. Uh, they're here simply to share their own personal, unique experiences. So we're not trying to paint an entire religion with one brush. Uh, and also, uh, it's important to note, note that there are many. I, I can't even count as as I was doing research. Many many different religions out there in the world, and all those experiences are just as valid and just as important to share. But today we only have an hour and we've, we've got these lovely three guys here. And I found them just for some background. I put out a post on my, uh, on my Instagram uh, asking for people who have had, uh, I think I asked, did you grow up in a religious environment? You know, I want to talk to you if you did. And I got a bunch of people who replied back. These are three of them. And so once we got to chatting and I started hearing about their different experiences, I thought, you know what? This really needs to be a podcast episode. The format today, because we've got three peeps here, is we're going to do this in a panel style, like a panel discussion style. So we're going to get to hear from each of them. Um, first, we're going to start with uh, letting them introduce themselves so that you guys get a chance to get to know them. And then we'll talk a little bit about growing up, uh, coming out, some challenges they face. And then by the end of it, we're, we're going to share a little bit of wisdom and advice along the way. 
Okay, so without further ado, let's start off with Matthew. Matthew, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the religion that you grew up with for the listener out there who may not be familiar. Sure. So my name's Matthew. Hi, 46. I live in Lincoln, Vermont. I'm the director of the main call center for the Vermont Department of Health um, COVID response. Um, and it's basically maintains all of the information for COVID. And if you ever have a question, let me know. I can tell you everything about it. Um, I also own a bed and breakfast here in Vermont because that's something, you know, all gay men do is we own bed and breakfasts in Vermont. And um, I'm also the music director at the local United Church of Lincoln. So that's basically everything about me uh, as far as work is concerned and a really religious background. Um, I'm from what's called the American Baptist tradition. And that's a, what's considered a mainline denomination if you know what that means. Um, you can look that up if you don't. Um, they split in the 1840s with Southern Baptists over slavery and pretty much anything to do with soul freedom. So that's why I, we're part of the American Baptist tradition. And that tradition is mainly um, rooted in social justice, um, racial, sexual, all of those things. It just gets lost a lot in the um, media outlets and whatnot that are out there. And even I, when I hear the word Baptist behind someone's name, I immediately cringe because I know something's coming. Um, so most Baptist churches are pretty autonomous and um, pretty free, as is ours. And we moved here, my parents, myself, my sister, when I was very young. And my dad was the pastor. He came here for that purpose. And they're pretty liberal, pretty progressive. Um, that's who they are. Um, our church is um, mixed with United Methodist, American Baptist, and we have, as far as denominations go, Congregational, Unitarian, Presbyterian, Anglican, Catholic. We even have a lovely Jewish couple that stops in all the time. They're just wonderful um, because it's a small community. So in this small community, that's sort of that space that allows people to question. And that's what's important for us. Um, there's definitely troubles on occasion and there's people that have left, but as our current pastor would say, uh, they always can find a place. Um, we're here for those who don't have a place. And that's, our, that's why we're here. And we want a place where people can question any questions they want. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matthew, for introducing yourself. Okay, let's go over to Jarrell. Hi, um, thank you for having me here. Uh, my name is Jarrell. I'm 31 years old. Um, I'm an attorney and also a life coach, and I'm living in Trinidad. Um, my development in Christianity, it really started from young. Like, I think about maybe 15, 16 years old, I grew up in the church. And uh, I'm sorry if you're hearing construction in the background. <laughs> um, yeah, so my development um, in the church, it really started with a friend of mine inviting me to church and, you know, one thing led to another and all of a sudden I'm going three times a week. But um, really, I, I, later on I discovered that the reason why I 
I guess loved church so much was because it gave me the opportunity to um, hide my secret. Uh, my secret was my sexuality. And um, growing up and looking back, I saw that I used religion as a crutch. And um, it gave me the opportunity to not really focus on what I was trying to hide, but more so focus on who I could become. Um, it was a burden because in the church, you can be anything. You can be a rapist, you can be a murderer, you could um, a thief, you can be anything, but don't be gay. Hmm. And um, although explicitly that was not what was said, you, it was something that you could have blatantly seen because of how they would treat certain people. And, um, you know, that really impacted my psyche, but I always thought to myself, I wouldn't have that to focus on as long as I abide by the rules. So growing up, there was a huge element of shame. Um, and there was the fact that I used it, religion, and um, I used it to, I guess, advance myself as far as I can because people would only see the spiritual aspect. They wouldn't see the gayness. So I, I, I definitely would say that growing up, I used religion as a crutch because I don't think I mentioned it. I grew up in the Pentecostal church. So it was the laying of hands, speaking in tongues, rolling on the ground, all of that. We loved it. Um, and I, I, I think up to, I'd still identify with some aspects of it. But um, yeah, I think I'll save that for later on. All right. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for, for sharing that story, Jarrell. Definitely looking forward to getting more into it. Okay, uh, Justin, let's go over to you. Hi, my name is Justin Oberstee, and I'm just kind of taking a minute to process what Jarrell said, because I can relate so much um, to what he said. Um, I grew up, actually, like you, Michael, I grew up Catholic. Um, my father was Catholic. My mother was raised uh, a form of Baptist, um, but went to Catholic church. And then he got really sick with cancer. And when he got sick, he stopped going to Catholic church as much. My mother started playing piano for a Southern Baptist church. So I started going to that church, which was a huge difference, you know, hands raising, shouting. It's like, what is going on? Opposed to the quiet, you know, meditative Catholic side. But um, when my father died, um, I, I left what we call public school here in America and actually went into a Christian school. And it was independent Baptist. So that's another one. And that was really strict uniforms, girls in skirts. Um, if you wore too much makeup, you were probably going to be a whore crazy. So I left that high school and went into a Christian college, which was what they call fundamental Baptist. And so as I went through school, um, trained to be some sort of kind of like a pastor minister, and then later on went and became um, a youth director for a small time. And while I was a youth director, of course, I was closeted. Um, I started doing kind of privately, I started doing reparative therapy or conversion therapy to fix this gayness. And then after I graduated from the Fundamental Christian College, I went into another church. It was more evangelical and it was called Sovereign Grace, which one of the leaders was Joshua Harris, who is now 
deconstructed in a completely different place now, but um, I attended that. So, and after that, I just stopped church altogether. I became more, I would say, agnostic. Um, but recently, in the past 10 years, um, I've kind of come upon the teachings of Richard Rohr, who would probably call himself more of a mystic. Um, he was a Franciscan priest. So those teachings really healed me. So I would say I kind of now in the past three years are leaning more towards that mystic type teachings. Um, but we can get more into that later, but yeah. uh, happy to be here. Yeah, awesome. Oh, Thank I didn't say so I didn't say who I was. I'm a therapist. <laughs> sorry. I'm a therapist uh, full time. Uh, I have a private practice and then I live in Santa Barbara, California. Awesome. Yeah. And you know what? Already you guys have such uh, unique perspectives and, and unique uh, backgrounds yet. You know, I, I can already sense that there's there's a lot of uh resonating going on like we're we're all you know nodding our heads like oh yeah that sounds familiar and even me growing up uh, in, in the catholic faith that sense of shame i had or not not feeling you know worthy because you know once i realized uh oh i'm gay not that i even knew that that word i didn't even have that language um but i just knew i was different and it wasn't good i knew that i had an attraction for for men and, and that was just not a good scene and i felt so much shame like like i was broken i was wrong and of course you know as a kid you, you want your family and friends to love you and you think that or at least i thought they're not going to what's going to happen to me they're going to kick me out like you know i was so scared and that kept me in the closet for for a long time so on that note let's talk about coming out um the what i want to hear is, is is how did your upbringing impact your coming out process so let's start with you matthew so, uh, like I said, my dad was the pastor here in Lincoln. And uh, two things about them. One, which I kind of touched on, both of my parents are very loving, very affirming, very open. They're perfectly fine uh, with all of this and always have been and certainly were a lot, lot sooner than I ever was. Um, that being said, when we moved here, um, our church burned actually the year after we got here. But it galvanized the, the town in a way um, and, and put so much energy into it that we moved to church, uh, we developed senior housing, we developed a historical society, built a new library, all sorts of stuff. Which we were all kind of a part of it. It was really cool. But um, as a preacher's kid, um, and if anyone is a preacher's kid, it is, um, it's a very different experience. So it's very uh, fishbowl-like. Uh, you you are watched, you are um, evaluated, you are judged. Um, so while my parents were would have been fine, I was not. So um, I was not shoved into a closet by a bunch of people at church. I literally walked into that closet myself and just you know did it that way uh, because I wanted to be the best preacher's kid, preacher's son that I could be for my parents. Um, and then the process of that, that influenced where I went to school, which I was listening to Justin. I thought, oh God, that's exactly where I went. Because I went to a little Christian liberal arts school because I thought that was a great idea to search and to question um, what this was because I just figured it was part of puberty and some sort of switch would click and you know, you'd know you move on, which it didn't. And um, it was more of an indoctrination process in college than anything else. And so it just kind of pushed you further and further and further in. Um, yeah, so that, that's where that ended up. And uh, I finally just was holding on so tightly 
to quote unquote my my persona uh, that everything was just falling apart uh, just school was falling apart life was falling apart all of it ended up coming home no degree um, which was fine and uh, I was sitting watching uh, or not watching I was playing a video game Mass Effect of all things has a gay um, theme in it and I'm sitting there and I'm playing this because I'm trying to just get my mind to stop thinking and I play this gay theme and I'm like oh my gosh this video game is having a better life than I am and so I decided okay I need to change something and this is not what God would have wanted for me this is not the life that I I should be having and so at that point um, I went to therapy and and we discussed this and figured out all this stuff ended up um coming out to my parents. Unfortunately, it was um, uh, the day I decided to come out. My sister came out the day, uh, an hour before I did. So I decided to wait a couple of months so that my parents had a little time to move, <laughs> process all of that. Wow. Um, but it was wonderful. It was a, once it was done, um, everything lifted, everything changed. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that's about it. Yeah, but it, the faith never left for me. I never had that issue. Um, so once that was there, I just it was literally just like this tiny atom um, of of light, and it just was like, oh, I just need to sit here and I just need to listen. That's all, and that was it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so, Matthew, how old were you? I'm sorry. How old were you when you came out? Oh, when I came out, probably. Uh, 36, I think. Okay. It was a long time because yeah. I went straight from this college into jumping into this bed and breakfast thing with my parents. And so nothing, I just kept moving faster and faster and faster. And so finally in my mid thirties, I think when I finally said, okay, this has got to stop because I was on antidepressants and all sorts of stuff. And once that changed, I was fine. I didn't need anything anymore. That's amazing. Some, sometimes it's just about acknowledging the truth within you. And, and a lot yeah. of these stresses melt away or, or they maybe change. But, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about authenticity on this podcast and how much courage that takes. It sounds so nice, but oftentimes authenticity really requires a lot of discomfort. Um, and oh, and yeah. that proves it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, Jarrell, let's talk to you. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I... I think I'll have to maybe separate my coming out process in like two parts. Sure. So first part would be me coming out to myself. Um, that would be at the age of maybe 26. Um, a friend of mine who I really looked up to in the church, um, he lived in Memphis. And um, he, we wanted to go to a Christian conference. So he was like, you know what, take a plane ticket, get over here, let's go to the conference. And I was a staunch Christian at that point. And I think at that point, I was trying to figure out, you know, what is going on with my sexuality. So everything was kind of like up in the air at that point, but I still wasn't really affirming, meaning um, I didn't believe that it was okay to be queer, gay, whatever. So um, it turns out that my friend who I looked up to, he actually came out to me and he was my first um, example of what it means to be, or what it means to have sexuality intertwined with spirituality. And it was very, very strange for me because I've never seen that, you know, 
back when I was growing up, um, you turn on MTV and you see the depiction of what a gay person would look like. And to me, it really wasn't that attractive because it really wasn't what I was into, but I thought being gay or being queer meant that it had to look like this. There wasn't any kind of like representation of, you know, someone who could be spiritual and, you know, still be queer as well. And, you know, he was an example for me and he was a great example. And I spent a month with him, living with him. Um, and he really changed my mind. And that's when I really came out to myself. And uh, when I had to actually had to come out to my parents, I wouldn't even say I had to come out. I was more dragged out. <laughs> and um, it happened because I, my mom, she found a book. The name of it is God and the Gay Christian by Matthew Vines. I was actually reading the book. And she found the book and that entailed an entire discussion. Um, I put discussion very lightly. <laughs> because for context, um, you know, I'm Black, I'm queer, and I'm living in the Caribbean. So that's a triple mommy. So um, I had those three things going against me. And I really had to, thankfully, I'm a very, um, I'm, a, I'm a planner. So when I came out to myself, I'm like, okay, how are we doing this? We need to figure out a plan from day one. So I have been, I was preparing myself mentally, emotionally at that point. And it's very, very tragic that people need to plan, you know, things like this in the eventuality. What if my parents reject me? What if I get kicked out? You know, it's sad that you have to, but that's reality. That's the reality. So, um, yeah, my coming out process um, because of Christianity, it was very difficult. And I still find myself um, having to almost defend myself um, and what I stand for. But um, yeah, it's been a journey. And unfortunately, um, it's been a rough one, but I really wouldn't change anything about it because it's, it's given me some backbone. It's given me muscles I didn't know I didn't, that I have. Um, and, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it was a tough process. And I, I would say that religion has made it a lot more harder than it should have been. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Jarrell. Uh, you know, for a lot of what you say resonates with me as well in terms of the, I think that the challenge at the time, I thought it was the worst thing in the world being gay. And then of course, having this Catholic Italian family. Um, but now <laughs> looking back, I'm like, if I didn't, have to go through that I wouldn't even be where, where I am today and I think you know we can all we can all say that not, not just the four of us here but anyone listening to this so um, it's an important reminder that whatever challenges we're facing even today regardless of what it is 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 really the curriculum for the next ev evolution of our growth okay thank you Drill. Uh, Justin let's hear from you let's uh, hear your your coming out story and how Christianity impacted that yeah, gosh, everything Jarrell Matthew said is so good. Um, this is a really good conversation. And Jarrell pointed a little bit on representation, which um, kind of bleeds into my story. I didn't. I grew up in a rural suburban town outside Atlanta, Georgia, and I didn't know anyone growing up that was um, LGBTQ or that was out. Um, and even in school, I, I, I had no mirroring is what I would call it. So it was really difficult. There was no guidebook. 
I didn't know how to bring it up or say it, but I knew there was something different with me at the age of five in kindergarten. I remember having a crush on a boy at school and we were really close and we hold hands on the playground and then kids started laughing at us and kind of would poke fun and say they're in love. And I'm like, yeah, like I, I was five. It was like, love is great. But that kid got embarrassed and bit me on the face. I'll never forget wow. it. He bit me on my cheek. And of course, parents and the principal, everyone had to get involved. But I remember just being so confused why he was mad at me or hurt me. And I think there's a little part of me then that just kind of was like, I need to keep this inside. Um, but it didn't really come back out until puberty, high school. And um, I, unplanned, I fell in love with a guy in high school, at my high school, which was, again, independent Christian uh, Baptist. And uh, so that was very private, very under radar. And then when I got into college, I released that relationship and focused on ministry, what I want to become, what it's telling me to become and what is right. And then I, um, I, I drank the Kool-Aid and I had various leadership roles at the school and it was in Greenville, South Carolina. And so I was a, a hall leader and I was a society um, fraternity. They call it, uh, they called them societies, uh, president and all this stuff. And I had guys on my hall that were hot as fuck. And they, you know, they'd walk around with their shirts off and, you know, talk and they, you know, it was guys' dorms, guys and girls lived separately. So, I mean, all the, all the male attention. And I remember just thinking like, I've got, this is a problem. I got to do something about this. So that's when I started kind of doing more conversion therapy stuff, but I had to talk to my parents at that point, uh, my mom and my stepdad, and they were so sweet and kind and they didn't really know what to do either about it so they more or less kind of listened to me and i was like i need to do conversion therapy i need to do this because that's at the time that's what i thought i had to do i felt being um, gay was very wrong with my then identity at the time and what i was surrounded by so um it was kind of like a little coming out then i would say and that was probably 18 or 19 Mm -hmm. But when I got into my 20s, after I graduated from college, I met a guy and we moved in together. It kind of was a roommate situation, but just fell for each other. And that started an actual well, it, a span of 10 year relationship. And I would bring him home to see my parents. They, they fell in love with him, took him to holidays with my grandparents and aunts and uncles. And so kind of was integrated in. Uh, but it wasn't until and I thought everything was good, like it was kind of an understanding. Um, but it wasn't until my late twenties when my grandfather passed away and he was actually an independent Baptist preacher. I didn't add that, but he was. So he, that's kind of the family framework, but everyone was so accepting of my partner at the time. It just felt, felt like it was somewhat normalized, but when he died, um, before walked down the aisle for his funeral, my partner was with me. Um, I was asked kind of from the family for my partner, not to sit with me at the funeral. And I was really kind of thrown off by that. And at that time, I didn't, I, I don't like conflict. <laughs> so I just went with it. And my partner sat with a, another friend in the back during the funeral. But afterwards, I remember talking to my mother a little bit about it. And I think she had felt um, I wasn't really out to some of the family members. And she didn't want the funeral to be that Justin's out kind of a thing. And I was like, oh, so I wrote a letter to my family um, just so that everyone's on the same page didn't know this, this wasn't really known. Maybe it was questioned, but I'm gay and this is my partner and this is kind of how it is. And I got to say it was not received well. 
Wow. It was really difficult. Um, yeah, with some with some other family members. And I recently, and even now, that was my late 20s. I'm 36 now, but recently I just got engaged um, to my now partner. And there was a lot of family members that were very silent. And, you know, and that's fine. And, and, and my partner's family too. He comes from a similar background, very silent. And silence speaks louder than words sometimes so that's that's difficult so this religion this this you know belief system is still kind of very present in both of our lives so um it's interesting to be here now talking about it because this is still very prevalent and exists and affects us deeply um but my coming out was kind of in spurts and it was good at some points and it was not so good but um really glad i'm here and now i've dedicated my life to to helping this community to be a mirror, to be um, representative of something different that can be somewhat religious, Christian, however you want to identify, but also be queer or a part of the LGBTQ beautiful umbrella and spectrum of, of identities. Yeah. I probably uh, went over three minutes. No, so that's sorry. okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's, it's a fascinating story. And actually, well, first of all, congratulations on your, on your <laughs> engagement. That's awesome. Great news. Um, I have a couple of questions though, if I may. Um, so did you send that letter or did you write that letter during the, like at the funeral or, or in that time? It was after I went back okay. home and then um, I was like, how can I communicate to everyone without being interrupted? Because <laughs> my family right. south um and be fully they can have something that they can go back to and reread and the only way i knew to do it was in some sort of a written letter um so that's kind of what what led me to that yeah that i think decision. written letters are, are a very powerful way to do it uh, and similar to you i come from a loud italian family where i mean i'm the youngest so i barely got a word in edgewise and i'm i'm you know I would always say it's, it's so much easier for me to write down what i want to say very mindfully deliberately and then that way there's if they have any questions, they can come to me after that. So good for you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I left the door open for that. And some of them used it. Whew. Wow. It was, it was really tough, but that, that was an important moment. And I think every queer person on that spectrum has to, we have to experience it. Sadly, we don't have rituals or initiations into this walk of life. And kind of our coming out has to be that. And it's painful. It's horrible. But there is light at the end of that tunnel. I love the way you put that. Wouldn't it be nice to know? Like, wouldn't have I loved to know at the beginning of this? Like, oh, by the way, this is a ritual. This is an initiation. And here's what's going to be on the other side of that. I would have really appreciated that heads up had mm -hmm. I known. Um, another thing, Justin. So I'm, I wasn't clear. Did you end up going to conversion therapy? Did your parents agree to do that, doing that? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I even did like an at-home program where I had like, um, I had to call in and I had to listen to tapes and I had to read certain books and write papers. And, and they, I, I presented it to my parents. Like, I think this is the answer to fix this so that I can get back into what I thought was going to be like this sort of like full-time Christian ministry service thing. But what's so fucking crazy. Sorry, I keep dropping the F-bomb. That's okay. We do that here. That, is that in, in my mind or in those certain aspects of religion that they're separated. You can't be LGBTQ and religious. Like there was this separation because of misconceptions and, you know, painful and uh, violent hermeneutics coming out from those scriptures. And it's uh, now looking back, I'm like, God, how fucking ridiculous. But I think we're finally getting somewhere where that's changing. There's more literature, there's more access. We have more scholars and people that are dedicating their life to this work, trying to fix this 
horrible result of colonization. Mm. But that's for another podcast, I'm sure. Yeah, but yeah. it's, yeah. No. Well, I think the other piece is you guys here right now, right? So the, there are people out there listening to us right now who are going to find inspiration and resonance with everything that you guys are saying. And I think that helps as well. I think sharing, sharing our stories, bringing them to light, coming out of the dark, um, you know, shame, as they say, shame grows in the darkness, right? So mm. I think what you guys are doing here has to be acknowledged as well. So thank you again. Okay, let's talk about some more unique challenges. Um, so, you know, you guys all sit at that intersection of uh, religious upbringing and the queer community. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, about a unique challenge that you face in that regard. And we'll start with you, Matthew. This was a tricky question because the, 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 there's one main challenge and, and then there's lots of tiny little ones everywhere. Um, that happen all the time. But the, I, I'm, I guess I'll just jump in with a big one that I was thinking of. And um, how, how did I write it? Um, it? It's the sheer gap of knowledge between um, those, not just in the gay community, but our um, uh, proponents of it, um, and those who are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Um, there, that, that lack of knowledge that just doesn't seem to exist and they choose not to um, pursue it. Um, I'm more than happy and I have wonderful atheist friends and agnostic and Buddhist and all sorts of things, um, but they've done their homework. You know, they, they've done their homework. They know where they stand. They know where they exist. Um, it's the folks who just um, choose to be quite ignorant um, and that's, and then where I find my place in that challenge is then maintaining a certain amount of patience and kindness and um, openness to allow for them to just sort of spew that while they get to a point where they actually are listening. And sometimes that takes hours, days, months, years, um, and it might never happen, but that's definitely where I find um, my unique space in, in that because I see it on a regular basis. It's not just in a church. It's in a community. Community. It's in you know the school board meetings. It's in um, the elections, um, and it gets used as a as a bludgeon all the time. So I think that's really where it is. Yeah, very very well said. Thank you. Okay, uh, Jarrell, uh, actually, and you can speak to another element of the intersectionality that we talked about. So I'm very curious to hear what uh, what you have to say. Um, well, I, I think about this quite a lot, actually. And the reason why is because, again, as I said earlier, there isn't any um, really blueprint for me to follow. Um, so I have to now take various elements from different places, try to mesh it together and try to make it make sense and apply to me. So looking back at what I've been through as a Christian, um, I have to say to myself, okay, which one of these elements or which of these principles makes sense to me? Because there's a lot of things that, you know, you go to church and you just have to go with the crowd and you have to basically just, um, you know, 
whatever is going on or whatever they're saying you have to agree. Now, this is not something that they tell you, but you know, when you begin to veer off and have your own opinions, you begin to be ostracized. There, be, there comes the comments of, oh, let me pray for you. It looks like you're going through a struggle. There is no sense of individuality. And now um, where I'm almost, I want to say I'm free from the religious shackles, just being queer, it allows me to be myself. Now I have to um, now see exactly which parts I want to adopt moving forward in my life. And it's given me a lot of freedom because I would call myself a little bit, um, I would say I'm more spiritual than religious, very universal now. I see now that there are different truths in other, in other religion and other practices. So not like things like meditation and yoga, breathing, tapping, you know, um, I've, I've found a way to mix it all together as, as well um, with my sexuality in the picture as well. And um, I think that's why I love coaching so much because there are people in my church still to this very day who are queer and they're realizing that this is a burden to carry. You know, it's wearing them out. It's, they're, they're realizing nothing is changing, nothing is happening. And, you know, bit by bit, some would message me and, you know, I would begin to guide them and coach them and just as a friend and um, show them the path that I'm paving in my own life and say, you know, I'm not telling you this is what you need to do, but this is what works for me, you know, and they've taken this advice and they've thrived. So um, really the challenge for me was just trying to be the example that I needed in my life when I was growing up. And um, living truthfully and authentically as much as I could. And um, yeah, just being honest with myself and realizing my limits and I'm just human. And I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to have it all together because in Christianity it's black or white, right or wrong. But as you grow older, you realize that life are beautiful shades of gray. So it's up to us now to add meaning to those shades of gray. And just that trust that the universe or God or whoever you believe is going to make it all make sense in the end. Yeah, very, very well said. And I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, you've, you've turned your your struggle into a beautiful thing to inspire others. And, and that's one of the things I love about coaching is, you know, I always say the same thing, like I don't have it all figured out, um, but I yeah. am totally happy sharing what I've learned on my journey. Even if I'm like one step ahead of you on this, on this so-called journey and share with you, Hey, here's what happened with me, you know, use, use that to, to help you out. Right. And then that's a little bit about what we're doing here. So thank you, Jarrell. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, Justin, uh, let's talk about intersectionality and a challenge that, that you faced. Gosh. I mean, the intersection is that they both don't exist from cultural standards. So the battle with that is that they can and they do. And um, someone along the line separated it for particular reasons. Mm -hmm. So what the battle's been for me in, in regard to now and what I see coming in my, my doors and, and speaking with people is there's a lot of people who are depressed and anxious all the time within the LGBTQ community. And so we talk about three things about happiness, and it's usually relationships. What do your relationships look like in your life? What's your vocation? 
What's your calling? And the third is spirituality. And almost across the board with every LGBTQ person I work with, that they don't want to talk about spirituality. Or they've kind of got their crystals and they've got their meditation, which is great. But that's about it. So what I've noticed is within this culture, this gay culture, we have substituted spirituality for having a hot body. Drugs, drinking, bars, circuit parties, go do it. That's fine. But we've substituted something. So there needs to be sort of like this reform reclaiming of what true spirituality is. Now, we also don't have a whole lot of role models, so we need to find them. They are out there. You just have to find them and learn. We've, we've, as far as the gay community, we haven't really had anyone who's been very wise or mature in the spirituality sections um, to kind of guide us and help us. So the battle really is finding it. <laughs> now, if you look through with a historical lens, uh, LGBTQ people across the board historically, we were the shamans, we were the healers, we were the leaders, especially in Native American culture. It's beautiful. And of course, when it was colonized, their heads were cut off. We were erased. So I, I come from this. It's actually in our genetic makeup as LGBTQ people to have a unique spiritual character characteristic about us. Um, so when I hear people like Jarrell and Matthew and talking about their spirituality and what they're discovering, that gives me hope. Like we're actually trying to channel it and develop it and create it. And we really need to kind of come in and reform this. Yeah. I don't know I, if I even answered the question. Actually. Yeah, no, that, that's great. And, and um, yeah, I didn't even know that actually, Justin. So, you know, thank you for, for sharing that. I didn't know the history there uh, with respect to the shamanism and mysticism and, and, and how, that was erased. I mean, that's so fascinating and it definitely hit a, hit a note there for me. So thank you for, mm. for that. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to spirituality and, and religion, you know, I, I said at the top of our podcast that I do consider myself one of those spiritual, not religious, which is, I hear that all the time. Um, but for me, it makes sense. Like, you know, because of my Catholic upbringing, I, I learned early on to throw the whole thing away. And for a long time, anytime the word God was mentioned or anytime I'd go to put a, some, a, a wedding or a funeral, which is the only time I set foot in a church, I just kind of like, oh yeah, here we go, whatever. But as I developed my spirituality, kind of, I kind of put religion over here and spirituality over here. But what I'm learning is that in fact, there's a lot more overlap than I perhaps gave it credit for. Um, and there are so many things that I look back at now, like teachings that I would have learned out in school. And I think to myself, well, I get what they're saying now, but the way it was, the way it was just not accessible to me as, as a kid, not at all. Like, but as I look at it now with different eyes, I'm like, Hey, you know what? The saints of back in the day were just life coaches, <laughs> right? They were, they were doing that, you know, authenticity alignment, uh, helping people go through their, their challenges, find greater peace of mind, whatever it is. Uh, and so I've softened to religions of all kinds, not just Catholic, but I like to find the, what, you know, the little nugget that, that unifies us. I think religion on its finest day can, can unite us. And then on its not so finest day can divide us in ways that is uh, not fun as we've seen throughout history. Okay, let's go on to our next question, which is uh, looking back. So we've done, we spent a little, little bit of time looking back at our past, uh, coming out stories some challenges. Um, I wanna talk about how your uh, Christian upbringing has impacted the man you are today. So let's talk a little bit about that. We'll start with Matthew. Okay. So I would add 
um, kind of a little bit, not really had, but I just was thinking when what Justin mentioned um, is that uh, we are all those role models that we are looking for um, because uh, we might not have had them, but we had certain ones that we did find eventually, but we are those that need to be those role models now to others. Um, and it, and that's how, strangely enough, that's how religion starts. But um, in any case, as far as um, the impact, and impact for me was enormous, uh, still is. Um, um, little quick small things, one on the negative side, I still catch myself pleasing time to time, um, choosing to stay quiet when I probably should be standing up. On the positive side, um, I love being part of a church uh, that's open and affirming. Having a place you can bounce questions in is really great, and it's rare, but it's great. Um, there's still plenty of work to be done, uh, but it's a great place for me. Uh, that's that's what's important because it's it's for me. Um, it's an outlet for my creativity, singing, uh, all those sorts of things. Connection to my past and history. Um, my my family has an enormous history in regards to the Baptist Church. We actually helped found it in Rhode Island. So there, there's just a ton of that that goes through, and I love those connections um, when you can find them. Um, uh, let's see here. It just adds a, brings up, let's see here, connection to, to past, to history, seeing changes I have made uh, brings others closer to their own authentic selves, whether that's within the church or not, because um, it might not be for them. That's perfectly fine. Uh, keeping that faith is, uh, they have shown me there is so much more to life that we see every day. There's a depth and dimensions and mysteries that are for us to fully embrace. Uh, never be afraid to ask questions. Uh, I keep hearing his voice. Um, I should say her voice um, because we've been trying to make sure that that gender inclusivity within our group is, is important um, after learning something. Uh, and after I've learned something, I, I just hear the voice saying, yeah, but wait till you see this. And I, and I love that. Um, and just to embrace every new creation. So that that's where I am now. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's, it's, a, it's a great part of, of your journey and am inspired by all of that. So thank you. Okay, Jarrell, let's hear from you. Um, well, definitely I would say that the impact of Christianity still, um, I think it will forever stay with me. Um, growing up in the church, I've seen so many different things, good and bad, but thankfully um, the good outweighs the bad. So there are lessons and there are principles that I've learned that would forever stay with me. For instance, um, the power of spoken words. Um, I've always, one habit that I've always kept was declaring certain things over myself. And I've seen these things, amazing things happen because of certain principles that I've chosen to, we call them affirmations, I guess. Um, keep, the, um, you know, like just saying, I'm gonna be successful, I'm gonna be powerful, I am love, I am the manifestation of my ancestors' greatest dreams, all of these different, different affirmations, you know, that they teach in the church, I've kept, and I've seen these things beautifully um, transpire in my life. 
So that's one thing. Um, learning how to love people regardless of who they are. You know, um, Christians are supposed to be known for their love. Unfortunately, we're known for our judgment. But um, love is one of the biggest things that, you know, the word, the scripture teaches. And um, it's one of the things that I've held on so tight. Just loving without restrictions, without conditions, you know. Um, that's one thing. Um, also, it, Christianity, well, I think the biggest takeaway would be it gave me the unshakable belief that in my very short life, um, I can achieve almost anything, not almost anything, anything that I put my mind to. And I have big dreams, big dreams to um, help LGBT, LGBTQ plus people in the Caribbean, um, dreams to serve people. I think that's where my heart is. I, 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 my deepest core, I love serving people. So, um, Christianity has given me a place to cultivate all of these things. And even though I don't think um, I would be part of any church organization anytime soon, because I'm still working out some traumas attached to that, um, I definitely love the fact that I have these principles to work with because not everyone gets these principles. And um, it impacted me to be who I am today. And I'm absolutely in love with who I am right now. And it's taken me such a long while to get there. But um, I'm really happy with um, how my life has turned out. I mean, when I was younger, I thought I'd be married and have kids and the white picket fans, just typical American dream in the Caribbean that I'd have. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, uh, life is, it has taken me on a complete <laughs> 180 on what I thought was going to happen. And I have to say that although I'm not exactly where I want to be, I see my life bearing in that direction. So I'm so excited. I get up every day excited about life. Like, what am I going to do? What is next on my agenda? You know, and... In Christianity, um, there's this concept of the Holy Spirit. I guess he goes by uh, different names in other faiths. But I get up every morning and I'm like, okay, God, what are we going to do today? So I still have that personal relationship, I believe, with God, even though um, I don't go with any organized um, religion. Well, by religion, I mean by church structure. Um, yeah, so I still have those spiritual aspects and it still guides me. It still um, centers me. I still keep my daily rituals in the sense that when I wake up in the morning, I spend like 30 minutes just in gratitude, meditation, prayer, and then I set off for my day. That centers my day so much. And um, yeah, just those principles that I've taken and adopted in my life. And I try to get people to, as much as they can, to have that spiritual core because you are a spiritual being as well. And um, yeah, so I think that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, and that's a beautiful place to be. That's uh, also very inspirational. And, um, you know, as, as both Matthew and Joel, as you were speaking, I'm thinking like, you know what, like when I do, I, I use affirmations as well. I'm thinking that is just, another version of a prayer, um, mm. you know, and, and, you know, same as you drill, I get up every morning and I have this, you know, 
uh, gratitude for having another day. Uh, and it, it's just something that I've developed over time. And I like to get outside and go be with nature. And I'm thinking even that is my, like, I find my spiritual connection really comes out with nature and to see oh. that, but like, there's so many different ways that again, you know, the way the religion that I learned growing up is did not teach me that I kind of had to discover that for myself and then say, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe that's what they were trying to say. So thank you for, for shedding light on that. Okay. Yeah, Justin, even with nature, sorry to interrupt, yeah, but even with nature, what you're saying, one of the practices I've learned, um, I think it was an Eastern practice just to, you know, go outside barefoot, foot in the grass and just take it all in. Like nature is always speaking to us. And these are things that we didn't learn in the church but these were practices that my ancestors would do. So it's very fun to learn different ways in connecting with the universe around you. And I think that's my journey right now, just discovering um, there are many ways to um, connect with God, the universe, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah, many ways, and, and and if your if your way is through a structured, organized religion, great, so be it. If it's not, that's fine too. Um, so thank you. Okay, Justin, let's hear from you. Gosh, such a good question, and these are phenomenal um, answers. Um, for me, just it'll probably touch a little bit on both of uh, their answers. Is it's created um, a depth, and it's kind of like a. And coming back into it, it's kind of like a recovery of a, a lost appreciation for the poetics of ordinary life. That's kind of what it's doing for me. And it's, I think, spirituality and having these practices and a belief can create kind of a deep intelligence, but also a sensitivity to things that are symbolic or even like things that are metaphoric in life, things you go through, relationships and you know, just day-to-day -day activities, but also it can kind of create a genuine community mm. with people and it can really help you be more attuned and attached to a part of the world that I think like nature, for example, that we just overlook with the loudness. So yeah. that's kind of, <laughs> yeah. Well said. Short answer this time. Yeah, yeah. no, that's good. That's good. Short and sweet. <laughs> Okay, guys, uh, one final question here for you. And this one, uh, I want you to direct to, to the listeners out there. Uh, if you have any advice uh, for a listener out there who might be struggling to reconcile both their faith and their sexuality. Um, so if, if you guys have any final words on that note, I'll start with you, Matthew. Well, definitely speaking just for myself, um, definitely ask questions, trust yourself, uh, trust, you know, trust that inner gut. Do lots of research and ask why. And if somebody just shuts you down by saying no, find someone else who's going to help you get that actual answer and take your time, get it right. That's pretty much all I have now. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Jarrell, how about you? What, uh, what advice would you have? I think my biggest advice would be um, to don't feel pressure to get everything right. I think in Christianity, especially, we're so plagued by the idea that we need to have everything right. We need all the answers. We need to be perfect. We need everything, you know, because we don't want to offend God. You know, that God is this big guy with a stick and he's just waiting for you to mess up. But 
I think what delivered me, and I hate to speak Pentecostalese, but what delivered me from the mentality that I need everything right was just um, the fact that I realized that no matter what I did, I offended someone. So I'm like, okay, let me just make my messes and I'm going to trust that God's going to clean it up. I'm not going to be worried about what's going to happen. If I get it right, I'm just going to go through the emotions and see what happens. So my advice would be to don't feel pressured to get, have everything correct. Don't be, feel pressured to dot your I's and cross your T's, you know, stumble. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to walk. It's a difficult path. I'm not going to lie to you. And you don't need to make it any more harder than it already is by judging yourself and feeling bad for not having the, the correct responses to people or for not having all the answers. So just take your time, take a deep breath, walk as far as your feet will go. If you want to take a break and sit down, have do that. I did that quite a lot. But eventually, you're going to find your way. We all do at one point. And um, just trust the process. Everything will happen when it's supposed to happen. Don't rush anything. Yeah, thank you. Permission, permission to get it wrong is one that I wish I knew. And I still, I still have to give myself permission to be wrong in all kinds of ways in my life. So that's a great one. OK, thank you. Uh, Justin, how about you? Yeah, for listeners out there that are really battling this or struggling with this, and I wish I could have told myself this, you know, 10, 15 years ago, would be that um, the inherited religion that you come from may also still be a source of some sort of renewed spirituality. Um, anyone can become a Luther, a Buddha, or even a Jesus and be a reformer. So you don't have to necessarily eliminate it from your life. You can change it. You can reform it. Um, and I do think our culture in general needs some theological reflection that does, that doesn't advocate like particular traditional values, but can tend more to our soul. Um, and also just flat out spiritual direction. It's almost unheard of. <laughs> so I feel like we need to bring back to fruition in our lives, just the hymn of the hymn of love. Thank you. Um, you know, you kind of triggered something. What, what I would have loved someone to tell me uh, when I was, well, let's say like whatever age that is, 13, 14, all that confusion I was feeling, all that shame. Um, you know, the advice I'd give is, is give yourself permission to evolve within your faith. Um, I know that faith doesn't always do that. At least mine didn't really give me much permission to evolve, but, you know, giving yourself to do that and hopefully finding someone out there who can, who you can rely on as a mentor, as a support, as a friend, family member, whoever that may be, that you can share this with, right? Further to, to Matthew's point about asking questions. And then, you know, giving yourself permission to personalize that that faith. So, you know, I would have loved to be like, oh, you can be gay and Catholic. Oh, sweet. Cool. Then maybe I wouldn't have thrown the whole thing away. Um, I, that would have been a very different journey for me, but instead I threw the whole thing away. Um, and then, you know, permission to permission to get it wrong, uh, permission to ask questions, all these things, just permission to 
explore, I guess is, is really what I would have loved is, is permission to have this open container with which you can explore with someone in a way that feels safe. Uh, so that said, you know, here are three guys who I would feel very safe with having, having met you very recently. And uh, I could have this discussion for hours, but for anyone out there who uh, might want to contact you guys, let's say someone's out there and uh, they are resonating with what you're saying, and maybe they need a little bit of that role model that we talked about. Uh, quickly tell us where people can find you. Then we'll start with you, Matthew. Right, that's me. Um, so probably Instagram would be the easiest and one to find, I think. Um, the handle is Moses Mahike, M-O-S-E-S-M-I-H-Y-K-E. I know that's confusing, but that's what it is, Moses Mahike. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a private account, but you're certainly welcome to message me anytime for anything. And if I don't know the answer, I'll send it to Justin or I'll send it to Joel. Uh, <laughs> I don't need to do it. <laughs> awesome. And I'll put all these in the show notes as well. So yeah, uh, yeah don't, don't worry, guys. I'll, I'll put all this in there. Uh, Joel, how about you? Where can people find you? Okay. People can find me on Instagram. Um, my URL would be instagram.com forward slash um, M-U-S-I-Q, child, means that's music child, 007. And also um, they can email me. Um, I guess that would be the more professional route. <laughs> it's Jarrell Peters, J-H-E-R-R-E-L-P-E-T-E-R-S, 007 at gmail.com. So, um, you know, a simple conversation on Instagram would be sufficient. Or if you want to have a longer conversation, I think email might be best. Okay, awesome. And Justin, how about you? Yeah, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, my Instagram handle is my name, Justin Oberstee. And you can also reach me through my private practice email, which is justin at justinoberstee.com. And yeah, please slide into my DMs. <laughs> Awesome. Um, okay, guys. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, I wanted to thank you guys again for joining us, for taking time out of your out of your day to come and speak to me. Um, this has been a really enlightening conversation. I'm, I'm sure there will be people out there who are going to get a lot of value from your stories and experiences. So thank you. Okay, uh, listener viewers, thank you guys for, for tuning in. Thank you guys for sticking with us for the full hour here. Uh, please don't forget this podcast is supported by listeners like you. So if you want us to keep creating these beautiful episodes for you, please go to our Patreon page where you can become a patron of the show and get some great perks for as little as $2. Also, if you're not already in the Gay Men's Brotherhood free community, please go to Facebook, type in Gay Men's Brotherhood and join us there. There are, as of, I think, recently we hit 4,100, uh, which is a lot of guys. Um, if you're listening to us on the podcast, please go ahead, leave us a review. We'll read it out next time. If you found us on YouTube, uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Uh, and I'm going to be watching the uh, comments. So if you guys have any comments, questions, I will be reading them. Um, fill them in there and uh, you'll get a you'll get a nice note from from me there um and that's it so thank you guys for thank you guys for the guests uh matthew Jarrell, justin thank you for coming today and sharing your wisdom okay we'll see you guys next time bye bye <laughs>